as the Ampusan Amasanga. Namali call, said Molly call a dog dog. Dado Dono dying thing, oh my god, Loma thing, oh dying thing, oh not the You know, I should really come up with some tagline, like for the beginning, like I'm a YouTuber. What up, every, what up, Chamorros? <laughs> or something like that to like, comment, subscribe, put for butt. Something like that uh, to start every show with. Or Nita Fanatsu. Let's all stand. Something like that. But anyways, half a day, I'm your host again, Michael Luhan Bavakwa. And uh, we have a special, another special episode of Fanatsu today. We are going to be talking about the Fanogi March. Put it down on your calendar, put Fabot, or put it into your phone, write it in your little calendar book, your daily planner. Monday, September 2nd, start it, gather at 8 a.m. at Adaloop, start marching at 9 a.m. We're going to the district court, and then we're going to come back for a closing ceremony afterwards. This is the Fanogi March for Tomorrow Self-Determination. This is what we're going to be talking about today, and we have some very special guests sort of to join us. And so, um, let's see, which one should I do first? We'll start over here. Uh, we have Ariel Titano Lowe. Ariel Lowe, I'm, uh, Ariel Lowe is a graduate student at the University of Guam in literature. She's got a fascinating thesis, which she may uh, talk to everybody about a little bit today. Um, and so, Sidzus Masi, Parifinatotmo, Ariel. Thank you. Always fun to be on Fanatsu. Biba. Biba. Ariel is very old school in Fanatsu. She was she was a frequent uh, guest on Fanatsu when we were still just recording audio. And uh, we would pass the mic around. And you were also there when we had the Fino Chamorro podcast, the one where we all, where everyone yes. tried to speak Chamorro as, as, as much as they can. That was a really nice episode. Yakagweku, over here, we have Victoria Diaz. She is a she is a history major at the University of Guam. Um, she also recently took, if I recall, last semester you took the navigation class mm -hmm. with Larry. And so Larry Regatal was also a, a guest on Fanatsu when he was here talking about traditional navigation and climate change. And so happy to have both of you here with me. And so I wanted to get your thoughts on sort of this march, the Fanogi march. Now. To give some context for those of you out there, this march is open to everybody. It is not just for Chamorros. It is not just for activists. It is an event simply to show support for the Chamorro people, to show support for their rights, their place on this island. And so if you love Guam, if you understand its history, then you should support Chamorro self-determination because the struggle of the Chamorro people is part of this island's history. And so to move ahead, we need to kind of address that history. And so this will be a peaceful demonstration. Um, logistically, there'll be a lane which is blocked off by which you, we can march. There'll be water stations. And we're encouraging people to bring all your family, your friends. You could bring your Tzakma if you have that type of relationship that you could bring Yasaguamuts and Yatsakmamu Lokwe. That would be a really nice sign, Sakma for self-determination night, Sakmesia. Baby mamas for self-determination, common laws for tomorrow self-determination. However, we, whatever sort of intersectional designation you can come up with, come and show your support. We had a sign-making event last night where people were making signs. It was the Akfadzis for tomorrow self-determination, the Underwoods for tomorrow self-determination, the Cruz family for tomorrow self-determination. You can put your family name on it. You can put your business on it. You could even uh, put your, you could even put your paddling group, your neighborhood watch association, uh, your chat group, whatever it is, 
consider coming out and showing your support. All right, so, so what are your thoughts on this? So Ariel, sort of as somebody who's researched Chamorro issues, who's written about them, who's written poems about sort of uh, the state of, of, of Chamorro culture and so on, what are your thoughts on this march? Why do you think it's important? Well, for starters, with this march, there are so many reasons why it's important. So it's hard to pick out just one. But if I could start, I would say that, um, you know, now we're in a time where decolonization, self-determination, these are terms we're finally seeing our government use frequently. I think we need to keep building this momentum and uh, ways that we can build that momentum is to to show up like now is the time we're at this critical critical turning point in uh, not just Guam's history, but in all around the world. We have indigenous groups who are rising up and who are vocalizing that we're, we haven't disappeared. And that's really I really think that's the biggest struggle right now is fighting against erasure. Mm. And as a Chamorro people, that's part of that's part of the trauma that the Chamorro people have experienced is having a first, you know, colonizer after colonizer invade Guam, um, not being in control of our our immigration and um, slowly Chamorros being outnumbered, right, uh, demographic wise. And so how do we how do we navigate moving forward? And I think earlier we kind of talked about how you don't have to be Chamorro to support self-determination, but um, just knowing your history can help um, can help connect all of us, I think. Like how you were saying earlier, um, this is a time now and it's happening all over the world. And you just, I kind of think like with us marching for our self-determination, I kind of think of what's happening in Hong Kong, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we don't want to have a government that's not, uh, I guess, at our level, right? Because we have the U.S like the U.S. government, right? Um, I think about how some topics at home or within, you know, my circle, they we talk about how the federal law, um, what is it, oversees mm. our local laws. Like yeah, supersedes. Or supersedes, yeah. So just things like that. It's, and just thinking of our location, you know, we're all the way across the Pacific Ocean. We're far away. And here you have, uh, what is it? Politicians making decisions to supersede our mm. own. And they don't even know anything about our culture. Mm. We have different values. We probably don't share those same values. And then we see other people who are standing up for their own rights, their self-determination. And like you said, I do agree. It is the time now to do that. Know your history, know what connects us. We're not just, um, what is his name? Apele, Apele, Apele uh, oh, how do you say it again? Haofa. <laughs> we're not just um, islands in ocean, mm. but we're, we're, we are an ocean of people. And so learning our history, finding that common ground to support each other, um, to support ourselves, that way we can support each other and we can all be heard um, to a lot of people, to the world, we're just, islands with little people, but us being residents here, um, having roots here or being descendants, right, of our ancestors here in this part of the world, we know that it's not just a small piece of land with a little bit of people because we're the ones experiencing firsthand whatever climate change that's happening or whatever issues are being made for us, we're the ones seeing it, experiencing, experiencing it and we have little to no say in what goes on because there are other people in our government or the government we're under that they make those decisions. Like I said earlier, they don't have or share the same values as us. And so that's what makes it hard for 
for us as our own people on this island, the people of Guam, of Guam and it makes it hard for us to, um, I guess, progress ourselves with our own values, our own beliefs, while we're following under right somebody else. So I think with this, and I have to say that I was like MIA on social media. So when I did get back on, I saw the posts about the march, and I liked that it, you know, it's inviting one, one and all, and that to me is a big step at. Um, really gathering all of us here who do feel the same way. Maybe we don't want the same, um, you know, outcome mm -hmm. from this. We want like different outcomes or we have different choices of what we want for our self-determination. But the fact that we can all come together, um, come together as one, mm -hmm. it even makes me think of that song, the Unu hit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, to come together as one and to really look at what issues we are all facing and to really um, like we were mentioning earlier, to discuss it, to talk about it, you know, even if it makes us uncomfortable and I myself, it's so uncomfortable for me to just talk about it with at home or with certain family and friends because I don't know what to expect. Sometimes I assume that they're just going to shut me down, tell me I'm wrong or I'm crazy. But I think that this is important because we will be the ones next. And you know what? Where are we going to leave off? Where are we going to pick off from our elders who are serving us? And how are we going to, how are, how are their steps and their actions going to help us, you know, further something better for ourselves mm. and the next generations to come here? Mm. If anyone out there knows Jesse and Ruby, put for what? Let's, let's put in a request, tag them. Uh, and let's 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 get them to sing Unu Hill for the closing. Simply go bonito azul. That would be really nice. A nice way to close. And so remember, if you're out there watching Put Fabot, you can ask uh, comments. Uh, you can provide comments. You can ask questions. And so uh, one thing to, to think about here, though, is that this march is not for any one political status. So um, it is supported and sponsored by all three political status task forces. And so all of them have put their resources behind making this happen. And so it's just meant to be a place where we talk about supporting the Chamorro people, not going in any particular direction. And so, and so Ariel, sort of as a as a as a scholar, sort of a, as a young person and a scholar, sort of growing up in a time in Guam where, you know, you were talking about erasure and you were talking about sort of certain ways the culture is being lost or the Chamorro sort of spirit is being lost. And so, what do you think in terms of the younger generation? about our ability to kind of get the younger generation uh, interested or involved because um, yeah, it's, it's their island for the future. And something like this can have a big impact on what happens next, sort of the direction that the island goes. Right, I like how you asked about the younger generation, um, our kids, right? Uh, for me, it's my nieces, my nephews, my godchildren. And really the important part or the important thing to think of is that the youth really look up to their, you know, yes. the older people in their family. And so if we are talking to them about decolonization, uh, I mean, I taught sixth grade for one year and, you know, my students were maybe age 10, 11, and they could talk about decolonization. They could talk about um, independent statehood, free association, and they could express their feelings and they could make those connections. And uh, really, I think connecting, connecting with our youth. And this is one way to do that, right? Making if we, yeah, yeah. Uh, spreading awareness, uh, not being afraid to bring your niece, bring your nephew, bring your kids to this march to come together. And Really, they are the future. So if they have questions about this movement and questions about uh, what it means to be Chamorro, or if they're not Chamorro, what does it mean to support the Chamorro people of Guam in this place that is that is home? It's important to encourage their questions, answer their questions. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they had a lot of answers for us as well. That's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like if... Because if it weren't or without us, then 
who's their voice and their right to um, and their right for self-determination. It's like, um, I remember a while back, there was a comment about my son, right? Which, and me as a first time parent, I'm just like a mother hen, right? Someone's trying to get your baby chick, you're gonna attack them. <laughs> or, so anyways, um, you know what, my son, he's young, he, he won't be able to get deep into these topics until he gets older. The fact that I would, and I am his voice for him, it, all of that matters. So like you said that you, you taught sixth grade and you had students talking about it. Um, that's to me, that's pretty amazing. And, and I think that's important because they need to know that, you know, as you get older, even now you do have these rights and you do have a say in some way you know, whether you're a minor, you have a say through your parents, you know, talk about it with them at the table. Like, this is what's happening. And of course, as my son gets older, I think about that. Like, I'm going to tell him this is what's happening. And even my, me, myself, I need to be more up to date, more involved in what current situations we're having. Uh, sometimes, you know, it does get overwhelming and I'm just like, shut everything off and just go outside and look at the sky, right? Enjoy, enjoy life as it is. But um, at the same time, this is the reality of our situation. And so getting your kids involved, um, sometimes I think some people think that, uh, like for, I'll use myself as an example. Some people might think, oh, you're forcing it on your kid, right? Like, no, I'm not forcing it on my kid. I'm thinking about my kid. I'm thinking about if something should happen to me, you know, what's gonna, what's gonna happen to him while I'm gone is, am I going to feel secure or feel that he's in the right hands not just for the person who's going to be taking care of him but this world because even though we can only control what's within our reach the fact that we can um what is it called i guess like the fact that we can have rules and regulations laid out right you know we whatever we determine and whatever comes out that the reason for this march at least, okay, I guess, oh, I'm getting nervous, tongue-tied, tongue-twisted. No, but um, the reason for this march, whether you want statehood, free association, independence, um, we're doing this because we don't want decisions being made on our home, our island, our home, or even inside our homes that are going to eventually in the long run hurt not just ourselves, our children, but the rest of our families here. We want to be able to make sure and have... Um, what is it? Peace of mind, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that as we get older, we've tried our best. We've did our best, not just to bring up our children, nieces, nephews, godchildren, not just to raise them right, make sure they're eating healthy, but to make sure that that's going to be, it'll be something natural, right? Happening every day. Like, uh, maybe, are you following my train of thought? Like, it's not, mm -hmm. uh, what is it called? No, I think, um, because I think many people don't realize this, right? Mm -hmm. But let's say, um, so because Guam does get help from the federal government, right? We get yes. a certain amount of money every year. Mm -hmm. So the way things are now in Guam, let's pretend like uh, hypothetically, we get a check in the mail every year from the federal government. We don't get to say how much money they give us. We don't get to, to make a deal with them about how much we get, but we get this much money every year. Mm -hmm. Now, don't you think it's better that since we don't know how much money we're going to get every year and we don't know what they're going to give it to us for, that we make our own financial decisions to fix our economy because we know that at some point we may not get that check or it yeah. may be a lot less than we thought it was going to be. For many people, they think that we should just keep thanking the check that arrives and that we should just keep depending on it. But if you're doing that, you're not taking care of yourself. You know, you're not improving yourself. This is one thing that always bothers me about sort of the buildup conversation is people say we should just support the buildup. Yeah, but supporting the buildup doesn't mean the buildup benefits you. Mm -hmm. You're assuming that somebody's going to bring a bunch of money in and we're all going to be swimming in salape or something like that. But that's not true. Yeah. So if we are just counting on this check arriving, we're not taking care of ourselves. We're not building up our industries. We're not training ourselves. 
And so for me, the issue of self-determination, it comes down to something like that, that we need to start taking care of ourselves. And we need to do that even if we want to be a state, even if we want to be freely associated, or even if we want to be independent, we just need to start taking care of ourselves. But denying the conversation and saying we should just stay the way we are, that's like trying to keep us in this position where our hand, one hand is tied behind our back and we're closing our eyes and we're not doing anything to help ourselves. So I think that's why um, a, lot of, a lot of this comes down to WAM needing to really look at itself and really trying to figure out what's best for us and then stop trusting this idea that there's always going to be this money that's going to float in to kind of to save us. And so, but anyways, that was, that was what I was sort of thinking based on, based on your thoughts. Yeah. Uh, and I know, uh, Victoria, earlier you had mentioned the climate crisis, right? Oh, yes. uh, climate change. And when we're talking about autonomy, right, being able to, or what happens when that check doesn't come in anymore, or it's significantly less and, you know, not to sound pessimistic or gloom and doom. But if we look at if we look at the research right now, um, our resources are on the you know, on the brink of collapse. Yes. Right. It's um, it's within our lifetime mm -hmm. at this point and especially our children's lifetimes. And uh, so really we need to be innovative. We need to be creative and uh, coming. And again, you know, this March attending and having an open mind and just wanting to learn. Um, yeah. Learn about the ways we can connect with each other mm -hmm. as Chamorros, as uh, Islanders. yeah, as fellow Islanders, anyone who calls Guam home, because we're going to need to get together and we're going to need to be innovative and proactive about many things, including the climate crisis. Um, like I mentioned earlier, there are so many reasons why this is important. And that is one big reason as well. No, that's a very good point. One thing that I really like about this March is that it is about uniting the community. So uniting and then sort of, this is one thing that I I mean, I often complain about on Fanatsu and just in general is that like um, I remember when uh, it's that sometimes we use things from the outside to express things about ourselves. Right. Yes. So the thing that always, always sticks out to me is that I remember the day after 9-11 happened in the U.S. The paper, there was the late Joe Murphy in the PDN. He put out a column in which he argued that. Um, 9-11 was like Pearl Harbor. And people on Guam the day after kept saying, oh, it's like Pearl Harbor all over again. Mm -hmm. It's like Pearl Harbor. This attack it came out of nowhere. It's a surprise. And for me at that time, I was so confused because I was like, why are you talking about Pearl Harbor? Guam got attacked a couple hours after Pearl Harbor. If you're being true to yourself and your story and your history, no, Guam. <laughs> it's like Guam. <laughs> But because you are using somebody else's story to tell, to express yourself, you are erasing your own history and you are erasing yourself in the process. And so what I like about this event is that let us unite as a community, but let us unite as a community in a way which is from this place. Yeah. So the Davis case is basically like, let's all unite together because of the U.S. Constitution. Mm -hmm. And then for me, it's always kind of like, Whenever I have a student who says, but the U.S. Constitution, this, the U.S. Constitution that I say, look, if you are browner than I am, then the U.S. Constitution didn't cover you for most of America's history. And if you are a woman, then the U.S. Constitution didn't cover you until about 100 years ago. And even they had to fight for. <laughs> and so think about it from that perspective. This is something, a document which was against you for much of its existence. You're going to use that to define yourself. I don't know. So I like this idea of inviting people to come to this because we can unite around things that are important to us in this part of the world who come from this place. Um, you know, and I think that's one reason why we don't have many people who watch who like Donald Trump. But um, one of the reasons why in Guam we tend not to like Donald Trump is because he is representing divisiveness division sort of, and that he represents a very sort of taimamalao behavior. 
And so in Guam, many different cultures are united by ideas of enough amaulic and respeto. And so every culture comes at it a little bit differently, but we can call it enough amaulic because that's the indigenous culture of this place and everybody can find their own place in it. And for me, that's part of the spirit of the march is enough amaulic, is that, that, is that we can take care of each other and we can unite, um, but let us not unite under somebody else's story. Let's unite under through a story from this place which can empower this place. And so, um, and so we're almost to the halfway mark. I wanted to give you guys a chance. Did you have any final thoughts to share before we go on to our second guest? Uh, my final thought I want to share, just to go off of what you said about history and knowing our histories. And again, uh, earlier how I mentioned, we're at this critical turning point. It's important now more than ever that each of us really take the time to know our histories and be in touch with our cultural knowledge because that's that's the kind of insight that we can share with others. If we if we cut off that those kinds of ties to knowledge that are unique to our people that other people around the world may not have yet, you know, thought of, uh, this is the time. It's the time to know our history, to share our history, and to, yeah, work together towards something better. Something better. Yeah. Um, just our conversation here reminds me of something that um, Senator Ben Pangolinan said. Um, and I hope he's resting in peace, and I hope he's here in our support. Um, what's it called? I had interviewed him for a paper maybe like seven, already 10 years ago. But um, he explained to me about, or like gave me this, um, what's the word for it? Like an analogy? Or he said that the Guam flag, think of it as this quilt that's woven together. You know, this is um, if the people of Guam can come together, despite your ethnic background, your race, your race and all that stuff, your, your status, if we can come together, um, then we can keep that hold that makes us unique in our own selves. So um, that this this event that's happening, the march, you know, despite what it is you want for our island, um, I think it's very important. And to me, I'm relating that in my mind, you know, for all of us who love Guam, this is our island, this is our home. We grew up here or we moved here and we've made this our home. Um, it, this is really our chance to really come together and really find common ground. Sure, everyone has a lot of differences, but I, I believe once we find that common ground, you know, whether you're an apple tree or an orange or, you know, agate, right? Uh, trunk and I music. Mango, mango yeah, tree. I got mango tree. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, if our roots can um, intertwine, stick together, then, hey, we can hold our soil better and we can bear more fruit and make sure that there's a better future for not just ourselves, but the generations to come. I appreciate both of you coming out. So we are now going to, is the video ready? It's not showing? It's not playing the audio for certain, oh, I had a technical minapod dispenser. And so, um, you're gonna, <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to take a quick break and then we will be back with our second guest. But let's uh, give thanks to uh, Ariel and to Victoria for coming in and talking to, with us today and sharing their thoughts. We will be right back after a quick break, though, with uh, former executive director of the Commission on Decolonization, Ed Alvarez. And so he'll be sharing his thoughts about why this march is important. All right, Sidus so Masi.
We are back. We were, we were trying to, to play one of the videos that Siguenzama over here has been making to uh, promote the march. We've been thankful. We've been uh, very thankful that we've had two young musicians, Pedro Blas and Joe Garrido. And that's not Joe Garrido Malayat, Joe Garrido, that is Joe Garrido the middle school teacher <laughs> and my former student, Joe Garrido. And so uh, they both have created, they both agreed and they re and Siguenzama over here, the producer, he recorded them and they, they gave messages inviting people to come out uh, to the March. And so we were trying to play them, but uh, there's a technical glitch. And so it's not working, but I'm here with one of my favorite guests, uh, Mr. Ed Alvarez. Uh, he, we just had him on a couple of weeks ago and he was very popular. So we decided to bring him back. Um, please comment, please, uh, what you would like him to do. He can do many different party tricks. Uh, he knows some magic tricks. Uh, he can balance a laddie stone on his, on his nose. Um, I'm just kidding. I can, he can catch a fish, any fish, as long as it's in the fish aisle at Payless. <laughs> Dispenser. So now, so. For those of you that don't remember, Ed here, he was the former executive director of the Commission on Decolonization. And during the Calvo administration, he was sort of the point man for all of these things. He was, uh, and he's been to the United Nations multiple times, presented at conferences in Guam and elsewhere in the world on the issue of decolonization. And so um, it's always good to have his perspective on it. And so, so Ed, why is this march uh, important? I think it's a message mainly to the United States that this issue is not dead, that they're not going to control when we die for decolonization, that we're going to, we're going to determine when it's over. And, you know, it's also a response to the Dave Davis case and statements made by Paul Zerzan that, you know, they, they have this yearning to vote in a, in an election that wasn't meant to exclude them, but it was meant as a restorative justice measure for all those peoples uh, of the world, to include Guam, who suffered at the hands of colonizers. The colonizers took their lands, restricted their speech, restricted their movements, forced them to work, raped them, you name it. There's a whole plethora of examples of what they did to us. And, and I think we've gotten away with that. We've gotten away from that discussion. Decolonization is a restorative justice measure. It's to make good on all the things, all the injustices that were done to us, whether it was the Spanish, the Japanese, or the Americans. Um, these, this history is, is fact. There's no, there's no denying we are victims. And this is why decolonization exists. It exists to finally put an end to nationalism, which was the major cause of war throughout the world. It's one body politic going into another body politics, island or country and taking over and imposing their political will. This is what the United Nations envisioned when they thought about decolonization and that this is how you avoid world war. You decolonize those colonies that were under somebody's auspice, some major country, you give them their right to political destiny and then you have the make good, right? You have, you have them made whole, right? So this is, this is what it's about. It's not about the U.S. Constitution and what it says because the U.S. Constitution never takes into consideration like you guys said and like uh, Ariel and, and um, Valerie? Victoria. Victoria. Ariel and Victoria so eloquently stated out that 
this one size fits all, it's, it's not, mm. it, it doesn't fit all. You can't, you can't take all federal laws and say, well, this fits on Guam too, because it doesn't, you know? And just to add further about what they were saying about the future of this island and the kids, you see now movements from the United States talking about limiting federal benefits, federal welfare benefits to people who aren't citizens. Mm. And they were mainly talking about the FSM, Palau, the Marshall Islands. Now you take that, you know, context out of historically that they were always included and they've gotten comfortable as we, as we all have, you know, whoever is on those programs gotten comfortable and the whole objective of welfare according to the solemn report that I, that I read long time ago was to make people on Guam dependent, mm. not motivated to do anything else. Because if you get the full gamut of welfare services, I think the amount that you are pulling every person who's on their welfare program is 54,000 a year. Why would you be motivated to get a job when you're getting this free and you're just staying home? So this is what all this plotting from the United States has done to us. And right now, I think I see the beginning of the end. I see that with the, with the limiting of the programs to peoples, they can always turn the table on us at any time and say, well, you people are just a territory. You're not a full U.S. citizen. You're jurisdictional citizens. That means, yeah, you're U.S. citizens partially when you're out here, but yes, you can, you can become a full U.S. citizen if you move to the States and become a resident of one of the States. That's not citizenship in its truest form. Yeah, no, that's, that definitely ignores the realities of indigenous people, the Chamorro people. Um, now you bring up a, you bring up so many uh, good points there. Um, yeah. In terms of thinking about yeah, thinking about our place in relationship to the United States and then and then realizing that there's more to consider here than just the Constitution or just sort of what the U.S. says we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, yeah, we were talking uh, previously about sort of uh, Paul Zerzan and his uh, comments in the newspaper mm -hmm. because Paul Zerzan has pushed this idea that um, – everyone is supposed to be allowed to vote in a decolonization plebiscite. And that's always the way it's been. And he's kind of cherry picked language in certain UN resolutions and declarations, which, which doesn't quite fit what he's saying, but he asserts that it sort of says what he thinks it says, what he, it says what he thinks it's supposed to say. But, um, but even if we just think about this in a very common sense way, yeah. I mean, when you think about it, the United Nations realized in the 60s that in places such as Guam or in New Caledonia, there was issues where the, the administering power, whether France or the United States, had open immigration laws where people from the colony could move, or excuse me, from the colonizer could move there and set up residence there and live there. And that's not necessarily wrong, but then the problem is that it becomes a reason to argue that the indigenous people, the people who are originally colonized, they should have less power because if, and it sets it up, uh, sets up a battle, which we see in Guam sometimes where people argue that if you want to support the Chamorro people, you're being racist because we're all supposed to be equal on this island. But that's, that's just what really bothers me. How do you open your island up to hospitality? How do you open it up to a lot of fiestas, food, enough at Maulik, respect to, how do you do that? to tens of thousands of people over the history of Guam. And then you be, you become racist, you become discriminatory. That's, that just doesn't make sense. Anyone who knows our island way knows that this is what our essence is. This is what the Hafiday spirit is. We don't discriminate and tell you, well, you didn't bring anything to our fiesta, so you can't come in. We don't charge you to come to our fiestas. We don't, we don't do any of that. So this is what is really bothering me about Dave Davis, thinking that we discriminated against him in an election that wasn't even part of the constitution. It really, I mean, I would pay for Dave Davis and Paul Zerzan to go to the UN and plead their case. I would pay for their way just to see them get kicked out and, and told royally that this issue 
is proven. Hundreds of millions of people have been decolonized. Over 80 countries and island nations have been decolonized. So you can't say after all that, that everyone should vote because the U.S. Constitution says I should vote. You know, and the thing about the Constitution that bothers me also is it doesn't fully apply to us. That's the, that's the thing that really irks me about. It's a pick and choose, right? And, and you see now the effect of that in our history where the Organic Act wasn't a compromise for us. We weren't involved in the negotiation. We were take it or leave it. That's it. It's the same thing with war reparations. Now we got to pay with our own money. And they're saying, take it or leave it. What I can see, you know, both sides, you know, you, and this is what, this is what happens to us all the time. And this is the true meaning of being a colony. You always have to take it or leave it. And so many times in the history of our, of our island, when it comes to things that benefit Guam, the United States is not sure that we are a state. You know, like, I don't know about you guys. Do you deserve the Obama thousand dollar tax rate? Ah, I'm not sure. Yeah, you're not, you're not citizens. You know, you don't pay tax. You know, I, you know, you know why, we, why would you get it? But when it's bad for us, like, hey, you want to go to Iran? Yeah, man, you can go, man. You can die what for us. Are. Great. You know, and this, this is the situation they've got us. They've got, as long as we have this status, this is the situation we're always going to be faced with. And this is why right now in this day and time, it's important for us to stand up and say, you know what? We're tired of this. We're tired of being too nice. This is our problem. We are just too nice. And what happens when you're too nice and people keep screwing with you? You get mean and ugly. That's what happens. And anybody does that. Go ahead, man. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Biba, sotanay, ipasyon mo, binibum mo. Well, I'm living it, so I know it. No, it's, it, it's true. I mean, I always remember, I always remember sort of the, the, the second verse for Kotorata. It's called Pinesencia hit na klasen tauta. Idiretsota adzuhata gagagao. It's like the movement for tomorrow self-determination, the desire to sort of, to have a say in what happens for our island is not racist. It's not sort of the worst thing that's ever happened to this island. It's probably not even the worst thing that's happened this past week to this island. It is something, it is simply, as that line says, we are a patient people. We're a respectful people. We just want our rights. And so the context for that is because Chamorros in the past were punished for speaking their language. We should have the ability to speak our language. Chamorros in the past were pushed off their land to make way for bases. We should have been able to pursue the lifestyle that we wanted in order to sustain ourselves. You know, that Chamorros should have been able to live in their lands and not be pushed to move to the States for a better life. Mm -hmm. But there's so many things that have happened to the Chamorro people. Sometimes we make choices, but a lot of times... Factors outside of us make those choices for us. And so when we're talking about Chamorro self-determination, you know, this is not something like uh, the Chamorros are trying to colonize all of the other people on this island. It's just inviting them to basically share in the story of this place and say, look, this is the history of this island. For the longest time, nobody asked the Chamorro people what they wanted. And you brought out, you were so right, the Organic Act, they, they, you know, you have to wonder, <clears throat> is it really a partnership if somebody makes all the decisions and then they ask you for your feedback and then do whatever they want? That's a great relationship, right? Oh, you could totally say that's a, a great relationship. We're going to this restaurant. Um, okay. Can we go somewhere else? No. Great relationship. Mm -hmm. Great relationship. I would. But, um, and so when we're thinking, you know, so when we're thinking about moving ahead from this part of it is that we have a lot of people that come to Guam and they don't know the Chamorro story. They don't know it. Um, they think, um, they think that this is just where America's day begins. And so we have to tell them the story and we have to ask them with all sincerity and with all respectfulness, you know, do you want to be part of making this place better, making it so this Island that we plant seeds for a future which are rooted in respect that grow beautiful trees of enough Maulik. Mm -hmm. If you do, 
then you don't deny the past. Mm -hmm. You don't pretend it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. You don't cover over it and just say, well, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Mm -hmm. You know, this is what we saw happen in the United States to native Americans, to African Americans, to so many people is that when they say, you know what, you kind of didn't treat us that great for a long time and we need some help. A big portion of the society says, get over it. But what did you ever do to really address what happened? And so for us, this is all that the Chamorro people are asking is that we be given a chance, a symbolic chance to try to express what we want and that all of the people who love this island, that they support us and that they stand beside us. You know, and it's not, it's not, it's not hard to see what's happening here. We never had homelessness a long time ago. We never had pan panhandlers on the road asking for money. We never had, our fiestas were always legendary, but go into the villages now and you see there are so few, there are so few. But that, and, and why is that? What, what has happened over the years that makes that the way it is? Well, it's the effect of Westernization. Development ruins our jungles. We don't have the resources to put on these fiestas anymore. We don't, we don't, uh, we don't, uh, what you call it, it all, all the things we use to have fiestas, which were free, all you had to do was provide the labor. They're no longer existent. So when you see these indicators, the village fiestas, the homelessness, the panhandlers, and, and most especially, you see that people are leaving Guam. Our own people are leaving Guam. It tells you that the indicators say that this island is, is not what it used to be and we need to return it to where it was because that is what we know. That is what keeps us alive. That is our half a day spirit. That is what we know how to do the best, right? So, you know, we have a choice. We either go in the direction that Hawaii is, that's what's gonna happen. We will, we will eventually become like Hawaii or we fight like hell to go like, to be like New Zealand where they've, we, the Maoris have reclaimed a lot of what they lost. And I say we reclaim because once we lose who we are, our identity, we're just like anyone else. And it, we're, not, we're not significant and we're not identifiable. That's not what I want. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you, you gotta, gotta think about it in that seriousness, right? Is that I always tell my students, the Chamorro language has been around for thousands of years. And for the first time, in probably forever, we can see the end of the language. It could die mm -hmm. before I die. I mean, depending on, depending on what I get hit with because of my poor lifestyle choices and how soon that get hit, <laughs> we could see it in my lifetime. I could, uh, the Chamorro language could no longer be spoken by the majority of, of Chamorro people. And so, um, it's kind of startling when you think about it and it should really kind of, I mean, in, in some ways, I think we've kind of realized a little bit of that. We've realized that we've gone too far, that in, in the, in the rush to Americanize, maybe we gave up too much too fast because when you think about it, this is what I, this is what I always find fascinating is that in the way that we are supposed to go for the future, the more I hear about that, the more I realize that we kind of used to be there. So in the way we're supposed to be very sustainable, in the way we're supposed to shop local, farm local, take, you know, be sustainable. That's the way that so many communities were before. Mm -hmm. And so it's funny then, if you want to improve the island, that's why there's different reports from the United Nations and elsewhere saying, if you want to save the world, support indigenous people mm -hmm. and support their ideas. Mm -hmm. Because the things which are killing us, the things which are harming this world, are ideas which are disconnected from the land, That's disconnected right. from the future and disconnected from the past. And, and so if we want to sustain life here, then we got to think about those sorts of things. I mean, uh, the idea of supporting tomorrow self-determination is really about who we are as a community. Well, we just, just take self-determination on its own. If, if, and I know this is wrong, but I'm still going to say it. If Davis 
and Zerzan are correct, then they could literally go to Puerto Rico and vote in a referendum, go to the U.S. Virgin Islands and vote in the referendum, go to American, I mean, uh, Puerto Rico and vote in a referendum and then come to Guam and vote. I mean, what kind of self-determination is that? That, that that's just self-determination was just meant to be done once. When Paul Zerzan and Dave Davis were born in the States, United States, their self-determination was already spoken for them through somebody and to an ancestor in their family. Self-determination was not meant for you to go everywhere and, and say you needed to be self-determined. It just makes no sense. That's like, I'm a member of every family here on Guam. But you're not. You're only a member of your own family. You're not a member of everybody. I mean, there's, there's an indirect relationship that we call, you know, we, we all call each other because we're close, you know, uncle and auntie, but from a blood or consanguineal relationship, that is specific to your family only, not, not everyone. So that's why I kind of laugh at them because if, if they, if they really feel that they're right, then they, do they really think that they can go around the world and, and vote in every referendum because the U S constitution says, I mean, not everywhere, but any U S territory. Is that, is that what that means? That's ridiculous. No, it, and it, it stems from the fact that the United States is in denial of its own history and its own contemporary reality. So why is it that it's so hard for the U S to understand this? Well, because the U S doesn't like to acknowledge it has colonies, mm-hmm. doesn't like to acknowledge that it has done that. It's supposed to be about freedom and liberty, mm-hmm. but it's got colonies. And but that's so, just even more ironic that the country that stands for freedom and democracy won't impart that on one of its territories or all of its territories for that matter. Yeah. But, but that's why then when we talk about self-determination and having a vote, mm-hmm. which sort of the indigenous people get to express what they want, the U.S. court system or the U.S. government says, no, you can't do that. Because for them, they're thinking it's an election. It's just a, it's a, it's an election. You can't limit people. That's what the United States used to do. You can't do that anymore. And so, but the problem is that this is part of the history of colonization. You colonized people. You didn't respect their rights. You took their rights away. So how are you, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to pretend it didn't happen? Right. And that's why I think it's incorrect that that one size fits all as far as the 15th amendment, you know, it's it's not right. It's not right. Cause the intention of the law is very important. The intention of the 15th amendment was because the United States at that time were just, were discriminating against blacks in the Southern states from voting. They would ask them questions like how many judges are in the state of Alabama? And if some, if for some reason, some black person knew, then they would say, okay, tell me their names. And if they didn't know the names and they weren't qualified to vote, that's what that was about. Not, not restorative justice, not we know what we did to you and we want to make good. That's what this is about. What the, what the 15th Amendment was about was the Voting Acts right of, of the United States was all the discrimination that they were committing against the black people. So that, that, but you see how in law that kind of, that gets fuzzy, you know, and, 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 and I, and I would, like I said on my last podcast, I would like, you know, the, the legal counsels for Dave Davis, take that to the International Court of Justice. If you're really a good lawyer, let me see you win there. Let me see how far you would go before they pound the gavel and tell you to get out. <laughs> so I don't think they would take you up on that dare, Edson. Uh, but I'm going to pay. <laughs> <laughs> they, can, they can keep the frequent flyer miles? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... Uh, this gets me so worked up, man, this yeah. issue. And that's, but that's why this march is important. It, it, you know, Guam has been good. Chamorros have been good to all those who've come here and made this place home. We share our fam, we share our food, we share our land, we share everything. It's not a big thing for us to ask them to help us. It doesn't mean we're racist because, and, and that's, that's the thing that bothers me also is that it's become a racist issue. It's not racist the choice of, of the political status is done by those who were victimized and those who injustices were made on. The constitution that follows includes everyone who makes this place home. Mm-hmm. That, that, and, and so that's not racist. Racism, if it was true racism, would say, well, we only vote 
for for the for the for the political status, and we only vote for the constant. That's that's not the way it is. Yeah. Although some people think it's like that, that's not what it is, because the United Nations and and everywhere else in the world recognizes that ethnic origins have come everywhere. They've migrated everywhere, and they've made wherever they settled their home. It applies to Guam. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell my wife who's Filipina to go back and she can't vote and she can't be here. Nor is Governor Eddie Calvo going to tell his wife who's half Filipina to go back, nor is many of our friends. So, no, we can't. We we understand that. I mean, at least I understand that the choice is ours, but the Constitution and, and our political and the ground rules of engagement with the United States by virtue of our Constitution, that's everybody's business. Yeah. I mean, I always think that we are stronger if we understand each other. On Guam, we have a community where we are very Americanized in some ways, on the surface, very Americanized. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we kind of assume that what brings us together here is America, and that's what keeps us together. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's necessarily the best part of this island. I mean, when I look at... You know, and I'm somebody who can acknowledge what sort of what uh, improvements have have definitely come from sort of the United States, Uh, what benefits we have received, what benefits we still have. Absolutely. And we've talked about this many times, Mike. We don't we don't discard what they've done. I think, you know, starting from the rescue in 19, uh, the rescue that happened uh, at the end of the Japanese occupation, all the way up to the social welfare and the community stuff they've done. They're not, you know, we're not, we're not anti-U.S. We just think now that we're so old uh, as an island that we can make our own mistakes. We can make our own successes and we can make our own failures, but we don't need anyone else to do it for us. We can do it ourselves. And, yeah. and we want that chance to do that. Yeah, no, most, most definitely. And then, I just, I always encourage people when we look at our island today, all of the problems with it or all of the big issues, like one of the things that always bothers me is that every week people ask me to buy tickets for medical fundraisers because we have, and I don't get bothered because of the request for fundraising uh, tickets or I get bothered because we have a healthcare system, which is so out of touch with the values of the cultures that are here. We have a healthcare system, which we got from the United States, which we just brought in, which is about profit, which is about money, which is about service. It's not about taking care of people. It's ridiculously expensive and it doesn't even provide the best possible care, Mm -hmm. but we have it. It's here Mm -hmm. and we, and we don't complain about it because it's the United States that we got it from. So it must be bad. It must be the best, Mm -hmm. but that's why. Don't take somebody else's story and pretend it's your own because you erase yourself in the process. And so what if instead of our leaders imagining that whatever's good for America must be good for Guam, what if they said, what do we need and what reflects who we are? Mm -hmm. And if you had that conversation, it wouldn't be the healthcare system we have now That's right. because so many people get left out. So many people go bankrupt. So many people struggle just to survive. And that scenario repeats itself time and time again in the history of our island through federal law. You, you look at the Jones Act, the Cabotage Law, you look at the EITC program, you look at anything that was done federally, it was a one size fits all. And here, take it or leave it. Sorry, you got to do it. You know, and, and we find out on the other end that, hey, why do they get breaks and we don't, you know, and, and, and it, it, that, that scenario is, is so prevalent and, and we don't realize it, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't realize it. We think, we think it's just the way it is. It's normal. But I think though, now people are getting a little bit mean and ugly because uh, things keep happening to us that are beyond our control and affects our lives. And now you see the indicators, as I mentioned of the village fiestas dying, the homelessness is up. Um, you know, people are. Sorry about that. It was a little. Uh, <laughs> 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 you 
But, you know. Pulan walks yeah. in and out. Yes. <laughs> so it's not only speak. So we see it. I mean, it, we see these indicators. And I'm glad that we're finally going to do a governance, governance study because the governance study will show several things. But one thing it really will show is how much federal control the United States has on this island that they're not supposed to have. That I look forward to. No, very true. And I think, um, I think we need to just about wrap this up, Edson. And so um, do you want to share sort of any final thoughts about inviting people uh, to come out to this event? Any final thoughts on why it is an important thing to support? I think we should do this for those brave men and women who gave up their lives for the United States. Our leaders like Ricky Bedayo, Angel Santos, who fought so hard to, to get us, you know, and Joetta, Governor Joetta, who to get us self-determination. Let's not let all their efforts die in vain. Mm. Let's, let's get out, support who we are and that everyone's inclusive and that we are not racist and we need your help. We are asking now for your help. And so remember, September 2nd, it is a holiday. It is Ha'an in Manhot Lanero. It is a holiday, and so people are gathering for this Fanogi March for Tomorrow Self-Determination starting at 8 a.m. in the front field at Adeloupe. There will be a blessing and an opening, uh, a blessing and an opening ceremony. We will begin marching to the district court down the street at 9 a.m. This will be a peaceful and a lawful march. All permits have been have been received, and there will be water stations and there will be canopies and chairs uh, for Manamku. Okay, we will return and at 1030, we will have a closing ceremony. And so if you are somebody who wants to know more about the issue of self-determination or decolonization, you should come to this march. If you are somebody that already knows about this, but maybe doesn't think it's important, you should come to the march. If you're somebody who thinks that this is important, you should definitely come to the march. And in fact, you're, you're probably already marked as going on Facebook. But even if you are somebody who doesn't agree with what me and Ed or me and others have said about the future of this island, but if you believe that as an island, we should, we should have a healthy respect and that we should work together and that we shouldn't sweep things under the guafek, that we shouldn't hide the past, hide the truth. If you believe in an island that is defined by truth and that by sort of understanding each other, we can move ahead and make something better, then you should definitely come to this march because we can be an island which grows from our complicated past or we can be an island in which we ignore it and therefore ignore an entire group of people that have called this island home for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. In Julian Uggins sort of arguments in his case in the Ninth Circuit, he said, is, is the court expect us to believe that the rights of one man, one white man from the United States living in Guam to vote in a non-binding vote are more important than the rights of self-determination for an entire group of people and the voting rights of the entire voting population of Guam. And the court said, yes, it is. And that's why we have to stop using their stories to define ourselves. That's why we have to stop using what they value, what they prioritize to tell us who we are. Because if we do that, we're always gonna lose, especially the Chamorro people, we're always going to lose. And so come out to this march, Support the Chamorro uh, people, support Chamorro self-determination, and support a better uh, future for this island. And so, Sidus Masitatlo, uh, for all of you watching, and apologies, dispensers of the stream, the, the stream was a little bit, uh, was a little bit uh, calacus. It was, uh, it was not particularly uh, forte today. And so, we, uh, we apologize and we appreciate sort of your, your putting up with it. We're working on upgrading that so that we can uh, get a, a smoother stream. Man, it feels like I'm talking about my urine or something like that. Is the stream good? Is it clear? <laughs> Is it, it wide? <laughs> All right. And on that note, Ajo Sestaki will be back talking about the March next Friday. Um, but but uh, until then, adios.